0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome in. This is the NBA Front Office Show, and it's Friday. You know what that means. Front Office Friday! Let's go. Front Office Friday is here. Lots of stuff for us to talk about today. Lots going on in the NBA world. We've got trade rumors, things of that nature to get into. And, of course, we'll be taking questions and comments from all of you joining live over here on the Front Office YouTube channel. If you're not a subscriber yet, please make sure you do. Hit that subscribe button for us as we push for 30,000 subscribers. Certainly do appreciate all of you, Keith, a little bit of a crazy day for me. I was getting all set up for our show. It's my fault why we're a little bit late starting here. A little dog runs into my yard, obviously hungry, obviously cold. So I'm, I'm a softy. I wind up bringing him in, doing everything I can to try to find the owner and all that. I've got posts out on social media, all kinds of stuff. After this show, the search will continue. So it's my fault while, while we're, uh, why we are late here.
2: No blame there. Karma will be repaid to you in full uh, for doing the right thing, taking care of a uh, lost pet like that, man. That's good stuff on your part.
1: I will donate that karma to the Lakers if I can, if there is (laughs) some way. To to do that because they're gonna need it with their upcoming back to back on the road against Minnesota and New Orleans. Uh, Keith, you know how bad against the
2: Hornets last night?
1: (laughs) Not so much against the Hornets. You know, if if only they could play the Hornets every night. I feel for the Hornets a little bit. By the way, uh, this is some big news today. Bradley Beal, indeed, back in action tonight, just in time to play the Hornets, who now will be on the second night of a back to back, playing a Phoenix Suns team that will have their big three of Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker. Uh, Not very fortuitous for Charlotte, but good for the Suns to uh, be closer to healthy and get a second full game, hopefully, fingers crossed, full game, of their big three playing together.
2: Yeah, and probably an angry, motivated Suns team to show, hey, we're real. Like, we're we're, we're what we thought we could be. So this one could be pretty ugly tonight, I have a feeling. Well, we'll see. Maybe Charlotte plays well. Maybe Phoenix is bumpy, but but we'll see.
1: Keith, at this point, are we, uh, speaking of of bad teams, are are we at a point now where we are, like, Yeah, we feeling bad for the I know like I was kind of saying, hey, if you're going to be bad, go ahead, set the record for losses in a row. Uh, Do do we now feel bad for them? I thought they might steal that win against your Celtics last night. Then it goes to overtime. They lose another one, 28 in a row right now, like Raptors fans are nervous as hell that they're going to be the team. Every teams are now like playing hard against them to not be the team that breaks the streak to not be the team that that loses to the Pistons. And I'm kind of starting to feel bad for Detroit.
2: Yeah, we appreciate Doug, not Dave, uh, checking in here with us today. And yeah, it, I mean, last night you could see the Celtics, they approached the first half. Like, we just need to show up and that's enough. And it clearly wasn't. Detroit is playing hard. Uh, they played some more reasonable lineups. Uh, last night other than the all bench lineups those are weird and have to go i also didn't fully understand starting kevin knox but Mm. for the most part they're they're in these games now and it's only a matter of time before they're gonna break through but you're absolutely right like nobody wants to be the team that loses to them and especially you know the celtics didn't want to be that team with the best uh record in the nba falling to the team with the worst record but they're almost there man that they are a uh They've got some guys. You know, Cade is really showing what he can do. Jaden Ivey's out of the doghouse and playing and playing well. Jalen Duren's going to be a special player. Bogdanovich can still play. So so we're we're we're, we're almost there. It's, I, I feel like it might be that Toronto game or maybe their next home game.
1: Uh, here's my guy, Bryce Simon, chiming in of uh, Motor City Hoops. Bryce Said, is the best. Uh, he's fantastic. Said, uh, you can't reverse course now. You spoke this into existence. I have been saying, like, I want them to set the record just because you're going to be bad might as well be extra bad but once you set that record then it just starts then the the enormity of it starts to weigh on you that's the way i look at it
2: yeah we no one fine go break the record lose their next one have the longest losing streak all to yourself and then don't let it get to 30 win the next one and just keep 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 uh you know maybe stacking a few wins from there because it's pretty clear you're you're in the bottom you're 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 not catching anybody no one's catching you, you no know, from, from from ahead like that. So just keep, you know, now let's play more lineups that make sense. I wrote a piece for Spot Track. If anybody's interested, I'll I'll drop it into the chat over on YouTube, um, the link to it. But you could go check it out where I basically let out here's what I would do, you know, from from here forward. And a big part of it was let's just make sure we're finding out by the end of this season is K to number one. Do we really yeah. feel he can be the guy. Where are we at with Jaden Ivey? You know, is he somebody who's going to be there? Let's challenge Jalen Dern in different types of stuff. You know, let, let's play him all different defensive coverages up, up at the level of the ball, hedge and recover, switching drop coverages. Let's find out what he's best at, what it's most comfortable with. And then for the love of all that is basketball, Holy, please get a Sar Thompson consistent minutes. Like that yeah. to happen. There's no reason why he should be playing. 10 minutes per game and then playing, you know, uh, you know, five minutes per game after that and those kind of things. We we just want want it to kind of go from there where, you know, let's let's uh move move forward with him playing plenty of minutes and and see where it goes.
1: You're not gonna win basketball games this season, but that doesn't mean the season can't provide some value. Correct. For you in terms of your your development and the whole process. So um, you're right. I think this needs to be informative, certainly for the Pistons and it will help inform their their future moves, especially this summer. Speaking of which, though, um, the Pistons really, truly remain uninterested in trading Bojan Bogdanovic. I don't know, Keith. I didn't buy it last year and they didn't wind up trading him. I still don't buy it this year, though. They're un well, they're uninterested in trading Boyan Bogdanovich, unless it's a significant overpay. So I get, I think this time of year there's a lot of smoke out there, a lot of teams trying to drive hard bargains and stuff. But to me, it just it doesn't make sense that they're gonna just hang on to Bogdanovich, given the direction this team needs to go. What they should do, in my opinion, is cash him out, get whatever you can asset-wise, and build for the future because. This season is is done, and for a veteran player like him, you're better off moving him on to another club.
2: Yeah, completely agree. I, I, I it, You don't have to just take anything for him. No. Make sure you make the right trade. Make sure you really, uh, you know, get involved and do the right thing, uh, to get to get him off to a right place and get yourself a good return. But unless you are really sold on um, we're keeping him next year, it you got to move move it. You know, this year, I just feel like missed opportunity somewhat last year. Let's not miss that opportunity again this season. And that's not to say they have to be super duper young. I think it's just let's get some different veteran guys around these guys. And and if Bogdanovich can get you a first, even if it's a protected first or something like that, and a pick that delivers maybe, you know, 20 to 25 range or something like that, that's pretty good. And then you just kind of move on. And there's a ton of teams that he makes a lot of sense for because it's an acquirable contract. And he's a pretty plug-and-play guy with what he can do as a shooting, scoring, I think on some of the very best teams. Maybe he comes off the bench, but for some other teams, he's probably a good fourth or fifth starter and Mm. and move on. And then in the summer, you could go sign a couple names I threw out there that could make sense to me or guys like Gary Harris or Doug McDermott or guys like that. Sign him to, you know, $13, $14 $13, 14000000 million, but one or two years, and you just kind of move, move on. And now you've replaced Bogdanovich to a sense, and you've added draft capital or a young player or whatever it is moving forward. It's kind of the best of both worlds.
1: Agreed. Yeah, 100%. I think that's that should be the path for the Pistons, and I don't even blame them for putting out there the we are not going to trade him" thing because they're going to want to try to drive a hard bargain. There's going to be contending teams that want another shooter that they can bring in. I think he'll be in high demand, um, and so they're going to want to try to get as much as they can for him, but I don't necessarily buy that they're actually not going to hang on to him. I think you need to move. It makes too much sense. Um, another story that's out today. <laughs> the Raptors and Pascal Siakam, I, December 30th, as the deadline for a contract extension. So the clock is ticking. This is from Michael Grange of, of SportsNet. Um, so if they don't get this done by December 30th, does that in your mind, does that just put Siakam right onto the trade market? How do you how do you see this all playing out?
2: Yeah, I mean, this December 30th thing is it's it's a deadline in name only, really. And that part of the reason why that's the deadline is that would allow them if they extended him the restriction would lift by the start of the off season if they wanted to trade him then mm-hmm. and those kind of things, but you're not going to extend him and then trade him just months later. That would make sense. So I, I don't know that this is a real hard and fast deadline as much as it is. Hey, let's kind of see where things are at and we'll kind of go from there. And it maybe it's Siakam's camp saying, Hey, if you want to get an extension done, let's get it done. Otherwise, I'm tabling this. I don't want to talk about it again. And we'll see where things go in free agency. So I don't know that a trade changes much trade-wise or anything like that. I think we're still in a spot where if he's gonna be traded, he gets traded. Obviously, if he's extended, that could put a restriction on and that exactly he wouldn't be able to be traded. But I, I think for the most part, we're we're gonna see. But really with the Raptors. Who knows? I had mentioned I actually did radio in Toronto this morning, and one of the things I mentioned on that radio spot was I having the G League showcase, having been here last week, the NBA world was here in Orlando, and I was able to see and talk to a ton of people. And when I was having conversations with people, everybody invariably was like, what do you think Toronto's going to do? And We're in like year three of that same conversation. So I'm not – I think everybody's equally as confused and wondering like, is this going to be another year where they do do nothing and then lose guys in free agency with no return? Is that going to be how this plays out? Or are they really ready to, all right, let's do a you know hard uh, – or not hard, but a soft reset and try to flip this and turn things very quickly because it's clear they feel Scotty Barnes is the kind of guy you can build around right now today. So we're we're going to see, I think Michael Grange of Sportsnet said they have no interest in rebuilding. Yeah, it's I saw not that. what they want to do, so, so that's another whole thing.
1: Yeah, and if they don't want to rebuild, but they need to, to decide, is what they have right now something that's worth really building around or does this need to be torn down and we'll take those? If you don't want to rebuild, fine, but that just changes if you're going to trade Siakam, if you're going to trade OG and Anobi, right? you're going to put these pieces out there. Maybe that just changes what you're targeting in return. Um, or perhaps we're talking about a three-team trade. You take some draft capital and things like that, and you flip it. That's fine if you don't want to rebuild, but you've got to decide, is this it? Is this the group that we want to build around? And I think that's very questionable given where the Raptors are at, are at currently. Um, but they are still. That, that team to watch here at the trade deadline, yet again... We'll see if they wind up being uh, Grinches here and 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 pulling all their guys off the trade market right before the deadline. Um, once again, uh, the Pacers a potential landing spot for Siakam as well as O'G and Obi. You know, the Pacers are a team that we definitely need to keep an eye on because they've got. I think there is there is the possibility that they make the move that really pushes them up higher into the Eastern Conference. I think that potential is certainly there. But I'm also a little fearful, Keith, that the Pacers, they've got to be careful. They've found something here. Things have gone well this season. Yes, they've had some bumps in the road recently, but you don't want to go all in too soon. And so I think they've got to be, they're in a good spot, but you have to be very careful when you're trying to make that next next step because this is the point where a lot of teams can get tripped up. You make the wrong move, for the wrong guy thinking, well, we need to add somebody because suddenly we're good. Let's go. Let's push down on the gas pedal. If it's not the right player that you go after and if it's not the right contract, the right situation, the right deal, then you can wind up accidentally setting yourself back. So I'm excited for the Pacers, but I'm also a little bit wary if I'm then them heading into the trade deadline.
2: Yeah, and if you're doing a deal for Siakam or Ananobi, you have to be confident they're going to stay and that you can get 100%. them resigned. Otherwise, that's a huge problem because they're not close enough to make an all in move that puts you in title contention. And then, all right, hey, if that's the only one we get, it is what it is. Almost kind of oddly enough, like when the Raptors traded for Marc Gasol, right? That was we're kind of going all in. We're really going to chase this title and it worked out and everybody was happy. Mm-hmm. They're not close enough. They, they're not at that level. And even with a trade for like a Siakam or Ananobi, they're not going to be at that level. So, but now if you could get them, get them to stay long-term, keep building around that, that's to me, that's fine because they that forward spot is still a bit of a challenge for Uh, The Pacers, for sure, they they don't have anybody fully locked in at that spot. And that's that's the tricky part. So getting one more forward, I think that could really, really play. That would make a lot of sense for them. They've they're they're sitting on about nine million in cap space that they can get up to. So that makes it far easier for them to facilitate and create trades um, mm. than, than it does for other teams in this spot right now, because they don't have to fully match salary that that's take 9 million off whatever a guy makes and that lowers the number they need to match. So that makes it a lot easier for them as well. So that's a pretty big deal.
1: Yeah. that That's something that'll certainly be useful in trade talks. Uh, Zach, Says, random trade question with a lot of smoke about a Thunder consolidation trade. What's the better fit, Markkinen or a traditional big like Jarrett Allen? It's an interesting question when you're looking at it. I mean, OKC has been great so far this season. They've been a ton of fun to watch. Um, I tend to lean Markkinen in this situation because I like what Chet provides. I, I can see the benefit of having another big behind him, especially a more traditional big. But I think the way this this Thunder team really excels is when you can run Chet at the five, and he can be super versatile. And marketing is going to give you the scoring burst, the the shooting that you know everything else that that you need from there. So in terms of hitting your absolute ceiling, I'm going to lean Markin in this situation, and then I think you target more of a lower level, true traditional rim protecting big to combine with Chet when the situation calls for it.
2: Yeah, I'm with you to probably the shock of no one other than G.I. Joe, where locks <laughs> up on just about everything. Um, I I don't hate the idea of Jared Allen for them no. if they wanted to go a guy or a guy like Jared Allen. I just think that's when you start to remove some of what makes Chet really special. He is such a mismatch for most fives. Uh, if you watch them play against the Wolves the other night. Rudy Gobert was just really struggling to guard him out out there, and the fact that he can put it on the floor for a couple of dribbles, it make plays. That's a you know interesting place there. So so that that's. I don't want to do much to take away from that. I would like to see them add more of a traditional four uh, to the roster, maybe somebody who can be a four or five, um, just because I think that would balance them a little bit more and put them in a really good place. And that's where I think marketing makes a lot of sense. If you can get a guy like him, sure. And, and they're in a spot where the matching salary is super easy with them. And then I think the uh, next part is you can almost say to Danny Ainge and the Jazz, you'd want three picks, four picks, five picks. That's where it's not silly for them. Like it is for a lot of other teams to say, all right, you really want five picks. Here you go. Put them all on the table and say, pick five that you like, or here's a couple we're going to keep off, off out of offers, but you pick out of this group because they're sitting on all those extra picks. So marketing makes a lot of sense. If they wanted to go for a lower level, uh, maybe Take on a little bit more longer term money I do think John Collins could make sense for them I'm still a believer in John Collins Um, You know, they could be a destination for Siakam potentially If that becomes a real thing, that's a guy who can make sense for them So power forward spot, guy who could maybe play a little bit of small ball five When Chet's out of the game, that gives them a lot of options there And they don't even have to necessarily dip into a real core rotation player to get it done matching salary-wise because they're still sitting on Bertans in that big contract as well.
1: Yeah, uh, that's also true. So uh, I think the Thunder, they've got obviously the luxury. of Not only have they been good, but they've got all the picks to go after whoever they want. So now it's just a matter of picking uh, the right player here. Uh, C-Res said, the uh, talking about your Celtics, the big issue with Boston is trying to get a three. Every possession attacking the rim will open up the three. The Heat are going to give them problems again. Coaching – is a big issue. See, this is like the Celtics are sitting in the one seat of the East. They've been the most impressive team of the season so far. I make the point people criticize Darwin ham over on my Lakers side of things and, and rightfully so, but I also make the point. There's no fan base that doesn't criticize their, their coach. Every fan base doesn't like their coach. So things have been going well uh, for the Celtics. And yet coaching is a, is a big problem. Do you agree with that? That the coaching is an issue in Boston?
2: Sometimes, like last night, Joe Missoula played some weird lineups. I think when he tries to get a little bit too, I, uh, I don't know what the right word here is. Experimentative. I want, I want to say. Um, sure. That's. I don't think that's a real word, but maybe it is. I just made it up. If not, but when he tries to experiment, we'll too trade much, market that gets them in a little bit of trouble. The the whole three pointer thing is i think it is so incredibly overblown and to me this is a lot of people listening to one of two things either it's like the halftime show on christmas day where they ripped the celtics and said they took way too many threes and contested threes and all that and the numbers came back and showed i said at the time maybe they took about eight contested threes in that first half it was actually only four uh that mm-hmm. they'd taken and then every other one was open by good shooters so Good shooters should not pass up open shots. And then the other part is they're getting a lot of shots at the rim this year, a ton of them. A lot of that has been Porzingis, but Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Derek White, Drew Holiday, those guys are all really good at getting downhill and getting to the basket now. So they're they're really doing a lot better with that stuff. So I think that's overblown. The other place that comes out of is this, this is the nonsense that like, Boston Sports Radio spouts off a bunch of people who openly admit they don't really watch the games, but they have no problem ripping the team and having a lot to say about it. So just stop listening to that nonsense. Listen to you know, other good podcasts and people cover the team and actually watch the games. Listen to us here, and we'll put you in a better place than that trash that they put on the radio in Boston.
1: Well, tell us how you really feel about that, Keith. But uh, but it's there's just garbage. There's there's an old school mentality that is you can't win basketball games shooting threes. You have to sure. get the ball in the paint, down and dirty, physical defense. That's what gets it done. And look, defense does still win championships. I think there's truth to it. But uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't win a championship shooting threes. That you can't find success shooting threes. Case in point, the Celtics have the fourth best offensive rating in the NBA. If they're shooting too many threes well, their offense certainly isn't suffering as a result. And then they are, again, per game, they are shooting more threes than anybody else. But they're also 11th in three-point percentage. It's not like they're shooting 33% and, and jacking up all these threes and it's dragging them down. No, they actually have a very efficient offense. So it's working for them. If you can hit a high enough percent, this is what it's all about. If you can hit a high enough percentage and your points per possession are high enough, it doesn't matter how those points come about, whether it's from the, whether it's at the rim, whether it's from three, whether it's from the mid range. It's all about are you maximizing your offensive possessions, and it's hard to argue that they're not when you're seeing number one, their record, they're twenty four and six on the season, and number two, the fact that their offense is one of the best in in the league. Like those those things tell you that everything is going just fine in Boston, and there's nothing necessarily to to worry about. It. If it ain't broke, don't fix it.
2: Yeah, it's it's there is. Definitely nights when they just keep letting it fly and they're not going in, and it, it sure. is frustrating. Now, there, there hits a point in every game. If you're in the middle of the fourth quarter and it's a tight game and you haven't been knocking them down, try to get get inside. Try to make something happen. But they're better about that this year. I, I know the numbers are glaring that they shoot a ton of three-pointers. You just went through them. But they do get, they do get to the basket a lot. They do create fouls. Jason Tatum has had games where he's taking 10, 11, 12 free throws and those kind of things. So it's been they're they're more versatile. There's a better mix this year. It feels very, very different when you watch every game, you know, and just really dial in on it. You can see it. If you you know, take it, if you go in with the mindset that they're shooting too many threes, you're just every time they take one, you're gonna kind of cringe a little bit. You're looking But for if it. you just wipe that and then you look at it clean, you're going to probably be like, all right, I guess it is a lot more balanced than I really thought.
1: Well, and, and three-point shooting too, there's just naturally more variance in it where you can have a 20% from three-night and it's terrible and everything is awful and oh my gosh, this is the problem. And then you have a 50% from three-night and, pro- and the issue with the 50% from three-night is unless you go and look at the stat sheet, most of the time, if you're a fan of that team, you don't realize that they're shooting 50% from three because mm-hmm. you're expecting them to make shots. Whereas if they're losing, and you're frustrated, and you're looking for a reason why, and they keep missing threes, it's, oh my gosh, threes are awful. It's louder when you miss a bunch of threes and when you're performing below average than it is when you're a little bit above average and you're knocking them down. And so then people become hyper-focused on the three-point shot. But uh, again, all part of the the fan experience here in the NBA. Uh, Let's get on to a few other uh, comments here and, and questions. Uh, I've got people talking about DeJounte Murray. I wonder how real the DeJounte Murray stuff is, if the Hawks are actually going to move on from him.
2: I think it's real to an extent of it it makes sense. It's not one of these things coming out of left field that's like, wow, this is – what is this? I, I do think there is – it's going to have to be a big package for Atlanta to move on him. They're going to need to get back – draft picks players who can help, mm-hmm. uh, right away. Just they, they're, they're trying to win there. They're they're That's another team that this would be a very soft, uh, quick reset, not a tear down and rebuild they They're just not going to do that. So that's going to be something where if they want to do that, Bryce, just asking. can I speak on the Hawks long-term cap situation? Essentially they're really expensive. Uh, they've got Trey young, DeJounte Murray, Clint Capella, Deandre Hunter, Bogdan Bogdanovich all on and in a neck all on long-term contracts. So that means contracts that run at least two more see two seasons or longer uh, out there. They're only about 6 million ish under the luxury tax line going into uh, next season. So that's a tricky spot to be in as well, because you got to fill out the roster and a guy like CD Bay is a key guy. Jalen Johnson will be up for an extension pretty soon. They've, it sounds good to extend and take care of all your own guys, but when you do it too much for guys who are kind of good but not truly great players and maybe they don't all fit together and you're not having success, you need to start uh, reshuffling things around a little bit. They did some of that with John Collins, oh, obviously, this, this past summer, but there's more that, that needs to come because what they did effectively was they took Collins' salary out of the mix for this year, but for next year, they replaced it with the money that will kick in for Murray and Akongwu yeah. and Bogdanovich on their new contract. So that's all going to be there, just replaced. Now, you're getting three for the cost of one, I guess. You could look at it that way. But it, it's tough. And there's some guys that just the, the fit is just weird and, and a little bit off. So I think Murray might be their way to to get out of that to some extent and start things maybe moving in a slightly different direction.
1: I just, I wonder, is this a, a move that happens now though, or is this, and by now, I mean, by the trade deadline, or is this setting the groundwork for a summertime deal?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know,
1: that, that's, that, that is kind of, we've, from doing this long enough, you can kind of get a feel for when things are actually going to come to fruition. And again, maybe it will, but a lot of the times so with stuff like this that pops up, it's really setting things up to be picked up again in June and in July.
2: The one I always, always think about that was the Mike Conley trade to Utah. That was one that was, it was talked about. They really tried hard to get it done that year at the trade deadline with the Jazz and the Grizzlies. And the number was just so big. Back then it was like 30 million, which was a really hard to trade number at at that point with where the cap was and other salaries were. That it became, part of this is where when people start saying, well, a three or four or five for one trade, That's where it gets really messy because the other team doesn't necessarily have roster spots for that. That's kind of how that trade ended up happening the next summer. And both teams openly talked about, we got really close to the trade deadline, just couldn't make it work. And then we picked it back up in June and got it done in July. That could be definitely something that could happen with Mari for sure, where it could be team gets really close. It's just, just not the right timing, just not the right fit. And then we hear later, yeah, you get traded in July, and it's because it made a spot. Uh, it made more sense and was easier with roster spots and salary matching and all that.
1: All right, we've got time for a couple more here. Uh, that's Life said, do you think D'Lo off the bench hurts his trade value? I don't yeah. think so. Not necessarily. I mean
2: yeah, – Teams know what he is.
1: Yeah, yeah. If he was 22 or something and suddenly there were issues, okay, I get it, but he's been in the league long enough to where – teams have a pretty good sense of who he is, what he is, what he brings and all of that. Of course, has the player option this coming summer. So teams will want to have a sense of what he's planning to do with that. But yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't, I'm with you. If there was any hint of an injury, maybe, and that's why he was on the bench or if he completely disappeared from the rotation, but at this point in his career, everybody knows what D'Angelo Russell is and there are teams he can be really, really helpful for. And there are teams where he wouldn't make sense at all. For example, He's not a guy who would make sense for like the Pistons to go get in a no. trade because he doesn't do anything that's going to help them do much. So it's uh, their <laughs> regulators. It's kind of mean, but it did make me chuckle. D'Lo hurts D'Lo's trade value.
1: <laughs> that's, that's fair.
2: Not wrong. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I still like D'Angelo Russell. I do too. I do, really too. do,
1: I do too, and I think in the right situation, he can certainly help you out. Um, And I'm not even opposed to him sticking with with the Lakers. I think there's things that he can do that can help this team. The problem is, he's just very polarizing. And when he's in a slump, he's in a slump. And people get very frustrated with that. And then then you hear all the trade him, get rid of him, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, All right, let's finish with this. Uh, Doug McMenamin said, Happy New Year. Do you guys have plans? Thanks, as always. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't do anything for New Year's at this point. I don't go out and, party or any of that kind of stuff um i've kind of passed that point so yeah uh i don't have anything planned other than just hanging around the house you know maybe i'll order a pizza or something like that watch some movies hang out uh the lakers do play that day fortunately they play early on new year's eve um i want to say they play it's at like two o'clock or something like that they've got an er- an early game that day yeah so, it's seven eastern seven oh okay so it's a yeah. little bit, a little bit later than I was little, thinking, little, but anyway, yeah. it's, it's an earlier game. So, um, so with that being the case, yeah, I'm not, oh, that's what it is. It's four o'clock Pacific time. That's what I was thinking. So, uh, with an earlier game, uh, I'll, I'll cover the game and then hang out, relax, Keith. I'm assuming you're probably going to be doing this. I I'm not assuming that you're going to go out bar hopping or anything.
2: No. Yeah. That, those days are long since gone. It's, it's a work night there. there's games on so we will be watching games and i think the latest one tips at 8 8 eastern so games will be over by 10 30 or so here on the east coast uh it's one of those things where if i'm doing stuff and i'm up i'll be up but otherwise i'll be you know i'll probably there's a good chance when games end that early i i try to take advantage and go to bed early it's it's a that is not a great day here um it's it's a I think people know I live in Orlando. I live extremely close to Disney World, uh, extremely close. Uh, You can hear and see the fireworks from our backyard. And they do crazy big fireworks, which is awesome and fun. And it's not a complaint because I know where I chose to live and all that. But it's just a little rough for the dogs. Thankfully, mm-hmm. they don't react too much to that. It's more the neighborhood fireworks that get them going. So yeah, we'll try to get them calmed down. And, you know, uh, that's a night we we turn the TV way up and that. But, yeah, the Celtics also play at 7 o'clock against the Spurs. So so that'll be you – know, I'll be dialed in there and watching and then watching the rest of the games. And then then we'll kind of see. We have a little bit of news. That's yeah, yeah Isaiah here. Stewart. Yeah, Isaiah Stewart's going to be out 10 to 14 days. Uh, with a uh, right great toe sprain, I think the great toe is your big toe. I think. I'm assuming. Um, you know the you know, uh, I think so anyway. Um, so that is uh, yeah, not great for Detroit because no. he's a guy who actually should be playing and helpful because, good Lord, James Wiseman. He I said this during the game last night. to Somebody he may be the most casual player I think I've ever watched, where he just kind of goes out there at one speed that's not very fast and it's different from like a Kyle Anderson who's made it like his whole thing right. you know, with the way he moves slowly but it just Wiseman's just kind of out there he just kind of jogs up and down the floor and catches it but there's no real I don't know it's just he doesn't do anything with force and that's hmm. you know super frustrating. The, the talent is all there man it's just I. he's just never going to put it together at this point I guess.
1: That's that's frustrating and it's certainly unfortunate. And uh like you said with Isaiah Stewart, it's another blow uh to the Pistons. All right, last thing we've got. Oh, somebody's out, estimating me. my <laughs> age. Um Clippers will get Boyan Bogdanovich. Um Maybe. they couldn't could.
2: surprise me. They sure. certainly could. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll take on the extra cap and tax hit if they have to, like. No, no, uh, su- surprise there at all. If, if that's where they went, somebody did say earlier, I think it was very much in a trollish comment of uh, you know, the, the Lakers should should go the Linsanity route, which we all, all know already happened, but it did uh get me to, to look it up. He is still playing, he's playing in uh, mm-hmm. Taipei, um, right, right now, so getting it done. Uh, yeah, he actually plays with his brother. Um, cool on the same team so yeah i mean good good for them right like that's hey yeah i never fault him if they want to keep playing you, you keep playing another guy on that roster remember uh, uh byron don't call me bj mullins
1: yes that's i remember him yep but back back from his uh, bobcats days <laughs>
2: yep that's yep. where he is playing and then uh tony mitchell which there was a uh a point in the league where there were two tony mitchell's In the league at the same time, one played for the Pistons and one played for the Bucs. He is also apparently playing uh, on that roster. So those are those are probably the names uh, people would recognize most. But thought that was a little little interesting, at least.
1: All right. There you go. Jeremy Lin playing with some guys that uh, that we know that we all remember.
2: Yeah. All right, we're gonna wrap things up there. There
1: oh, yeah, we go. That's how we close out
2: 2023. That's, that's the way off. to
1: close out 2023. I hope everybody has a fantastic new year. We'll be back next week to talk more NBA basketball. Stay safe, everybody. Keep your pets secured with all of the fireworks and all that stuff going on. And once again, we'll see you next week. Till then, everybody, see ya and stay safe.